0: Today's uh, sermon title is The Power of Encouragement. Look at that. The Power of Encouragement, wow. So uh, I wanna start off with uh, some history, right? Back in the 1980s, around the, the southern region, around Georgia, around that area of the country, there was an issue that wolves were very few, they were almost extinct, right? A certain type of wolf. And uh, what, what was happening was they were offering a special bounty, not to kill the wolves, but to bring them in alive, right? Because they were trying to preserve the, 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 the breed. The bounty was $5,000, $5,000 per wolf. Who will who be a wolf hunter with me for $5,000 wolf, per wolf, right? And um, so this guy, these two guys, Sam and Jed, was it Sam and Jed? Yeah, Sam and Jed, they were uh, like, hey, this is, this is our ticket, man. This is our way to, to make some money. And so they got together, they got all their gear, and they went into the forest to hunt wolves. They were out there day and night, and yet they struggled to find a wolf. Then one night, they were sleeping, and Sam wakes up because he hears something in the campsite, right? He peeks out of the tent and he notices that their campsite, their tent is surrounded by about 50 wolves, 50 wolves. Their eyes were flaming, their teeth were showing, the growling was going on. Maybe somebody must have alerted the wolf neighborhood about what they were trying to do, but they weren't happy about it. And uh, uh, was it, uh, who, I forgot which one who woke up, Sam or Jeb, but he, he nudges his friend. And he's like looking at all the wolves and he's like, wake up, wake up. His friend wakes up. He's like, what? What happened? he's like, dude, we're rich. (laughs) That was his first response. There were two guys that worked for a shoe company. And uh, the shoe company decided to send both men to a foreign land, a land that that this company had not... uh, they don't have territory. They don't have anybody there. You know, but they wanted to send two salesmen to a far territory to expand their shoe kingdom, right? And so uh, the two guys were sent there. And after some time, one guy writes back to the company, and he says, I have terrible news. This is a God-forsaken country. Nobody here wears shoes. I am coming back home. The other guy writes a letter back to his company, and he says, this is a wonderful country. I'm so grateful that you sent me here. Nobody here wears shoes. Send me 5,000 pairs. Isn't it amazing how by changing your attitude, changing your perspective, you can put a whole new spin on things. A whole new spin on things. Now, we could be honest with each other and say, you know, uh, it's easier to say this than to live it, right? It's easier to say, hey, and see dollar signs when you see all those wolves, but if you're in the situation, you're probably thinking, I'm gonna die, right? There are many moments in season in our lives that uh, seem dark uh, hopeless, sad, you know, we feel like there's no way out. We go through that. Um, I want us to turn to Psalms 137, verses 1 to 4. Psalms 137, verses 1 to 4. By the rivers of Babylon, we remember, well, we, we, there we sat down. Yea, we we wept. Then we remembered Zion. We hung up, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For for there, those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It's kind of sad and depressing those verses, right? Israel had been in captivity for, I don't know, over 900 years in Egypt before Moses came and God used Moses to to lead the people out of Egypt and to lead them to the promised land. They get to the promised land, and they send 12 spies out to scout the area, 10 of them came back with a negative report, instilling fear and doubt to the nation. Although the other two were like these guys, are like, oh, you know, this is great. The food is great. I mean, you know, it's, 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 there's food and, there's, and there's, the land is amazing. And then they came back with a positive report, but, but the other 10 instilled fear and doubt. Because of that, the nation had to wander the desert for another 40 years. They enter a promised land. We skip, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, hundreds of years later. And the Israelites find themselves in bondage once again. They find themselves captured and enslaved once again as a result of their own rebelliousness as a result of their own disobedience. And, uh, you know, uh, God allows the Babylonians to capture them and to make them slaves. And so now they find themselves once again with no homes, in a state of despair, enslaved to the Babylonians. When this was written, it's written with that context of here they are, they've lost their homes, everything's gone, and they are enslaved. It's a... It's a, it's a feeling of hopelessness that we get out of these verses. <clears throat> I want to take a look at the state of despair of the nation of Israel at this moment, right? Based on just this verse, mainly the first one. And I want to see if we've ever been there, if we've ever felt similar to this. The first verse, it says uh, they, were, they were stuck in remembering the past, right? They said, as remembered. It says, we remember, when we remembered Zion, they're, they're reminiscing, they're thinking of a time when things were better. You know, we serve a God of the future as well as the past and the present, right? And so one thing we have to remember is when you think back at the great things that God has done in the past, that know that that is the same God that can still do those great things today, and that is still the same God that can do the, same, the great things in the future, we can't get stuck reminiscing of the past as if that was once great and no longer can be great again. You know, I, I, and I may and I have been guilty of, man, and back in the day, things were like this and like this, and, we, and, we, and we, we highlight those great moments, which is nothing bad with enjoying memories of the past. But what happens is to be stuck in the past as if the future can't be any better. See, they were in a feeling of remembering Zion with no hope for the future. Remembering the good old days, the God that they served. You know, um, he didn't perform miracles just in the past. We read it in the Bible, and some of us are like, oh man, the Bible's full of miracles. That's God, God's made. Do you know that he could do those miracles today? In fact, in fact in the Bible, there's so much about the future. We serve a God not of the past. We serve a God of the past, the present and the future. They weren't just homesick and remembering. They had lost everything. It wasn't that they just missed, oh, I just missed me. They lost it all. Their homes were destroyed, the temple was destroyed, families were lost. Here they are enslaved in a foreign land with nothing. So they are remembering all the good. When things were great, they were remembering their past victories, all the victories of Israel, all the times when Israel would show up to the battlefield and their enemies would tremble. They were remembering that, almost forgetting that they were still that people. That the God that made their enemies tremble was still with them in Babylon. They remember how things used to be, but they had no hope for the future. They had failed to see that they were actually where God had placed them, and this situation was only for a season. Nobody wants to feel and believe that their valley lows, (laughs) God has placed us in our valley lows at times. God could have allowed a valley low. God could place you in a valley low. Your own decisions could take you to a valley low. We are going to be in valley lows many times. We're not always going to live on the mountaintop. Even though I love the mountains, I love if I could have a house right on top. I love it, but the reality is that our walk with God isn't all mountaintop, a uh, valley, uh, seasons. It's not. The next thing we see, we, we see them that they are, they're remembering. They're in a state of remembrance, reminiscing, but stuck. So they're kind of stuck in that patch, kind of just trying to live in the memories of the past with no hope for the future. Second, what we see in their state is that they're overwhelmed in their circumstances. How do we know they're overwhelmed in their circumstances? The verse says that it says, uh, it says we sat down. There we sat down. Sitting speaks of a moment of uh, inactivity, of hopelessness. When you are experiencing something that you don't appreciate or something that you don't like or something that's not well and you just sit down, what are you saying? I give up. There's nothing I can do about this situation. There's nothing I can say. There's no one to call. There's nothing I can, I, there's, there's no alternative, there's no hope. So let me just sit and do nothing. They had no hope of seeing their beloved Jerusalem. Again, not realizing that their captivity was just for a season. And in due time, God would miraculously set them free by stirring the heart of a pagan king. Come on. This wasn't a Moses experience again. God didn't sense a God stir the heart of a pagan king, a, a king that had no relationship with God, a king that was not gonna follow God and his laws, a king that 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 really could care less. And he was like, you know what, y'all could go back. You can go back. You can rebuild your temple. It's okay with me. We don't see here in this verse that um, that they. It, it's, it, we don't see in this verse in this context where they ran to the Lord to pray in prayer. We don't see where in this context where they ran um, to 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 plan how they were going to once again be in Jerusalem. They, they you know they they don't. We don't read again how they were praising God through this moment. We see in this text at this moment that they just sat. No prayer, no praising, no planning, no movement, just sat. You know, there's moments in our lives that, uh, that we just feel like, I'm done. And you take a seat. When your response really is to not take a seat, but to move forward. And in your moving forward to praise, to worship, to pray, to understand that, you know what, we have to keep pushing forward. And, and we're going to talk about that a little more in, the, in, in the, uh, the good news part. But I'm painting a picture here of despair. I'm painting a picture of here. I was like, this is horrible. The people are not in a good place. The third thing we see is that they allow their emotions to control their behavior. We see this by, by, by reading that they wept. They wept. Now, nothing's wrong with crying, if you guys know me. Now that um, when it comes to things of the Lord, I cry a lot. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with weeping. There's nothing wrong with crying. Matter of fact, people say... Uh, I don't know, therapists say that it's actually therapeutic for you to at times just let it out. But, but there's a problem when you get stuck in sorrow. There's a problem when you can't move past sorrow. Sorrow. There's a problem when, because of sorrow, it influences your decisions, it influences your, your actions, it influences your walk with God. Because of sorrow, you decide to take a seat and not move forward. Because of sorrow, you allow yourself to, to, to not be used by God. And because of sorrow, we abandon the mission that God has placed us in because of sorrow we uh, point the finger at God. There's so many things that, that we do sometimes out of sorrow that we just got to understand that we got to move forward from that. You know, um, they were stuck with sorrow. They wasn't showing optimism for future days. You know... Um, they were crying, but they were crying to each other as, as opposed to crying to the Lord. They allowed their situation to cause them to lose their song. And this is the fourth um, aspect of their despair. They lost their song. We read in the verse that they hung up their harps. You know, Israel was known for its praise. It was known for its worship. You know, as, far, as a matter of fact, the, the word Judah Right, the name Judah means praise, and so they were known for their praise. But here we see them hanging up their harps, meaning they gave up their praise, they retired their strings. There's moments in our despair. There's moments in times that we need encouragement. There's moments that instead of seeking the encouragement, we just, we decide to abandon what we're what we should be doing. Like we should be praising, we should be worshiping, and and and. We can't abandon our praise. We can't abandon our praise no matter the circumstances, no matter how hard things get, no matter how hopeless things may seem. You can't abandon your praise. When the music music and praise should have started, here they are hanging up their harps. So as we look at the condition of the people of God here in this text, does any of this sound familiar to you? We see how the nation of Israel is feeling, but have there been moments in your life that you feel hopeless, that you find yourself just remembering, just reminiscing? Have there been moments in your life that you feel so defeated that you literally just sit down and feel like the situations that you're in don't have a final outcome? Your emotions, at times, they influence your actions, they influence your decisions, and you find yourself hanging up your instrument of praise, no longer praising him and worshiping him, sometimes even blaming him when we go through our valley lows. We find ourselves sometimes disconnected in our valley lows. You know, I mean, I know it happens so much. You know, we start going through things, and the, your first response isn't, let me connect with the body of Christ. We go through things, and because we're all tough, right, we don't need anybody. I don't need you guys. Yo, Keon. I don't need you. I got this, right? And I want to do this on my own. Because I'm so strong and I'm so tough. And so what I do is in my valley lows, I push back and I disconnect from the body of Christ. I disconnect from my church family. I disconnect from family and friends that are there to encourage and to help us. And so in my disconnecting now, without realizing it, I'm disconnecting from the church family, from the body. But I'm also walking backwards in my relationship with God because I'm not even trusting him in this. I'm trying to figure it out my, on my own. And now, not only are you in a valley low, but you're in a valley low and you're far from God. The combination is horrible. You might be thinking like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm always happy. Okay, well, praise the Lord if that's your case. Um, Either you have, you, you, you are in it right now or you will be. So I'm sorry to bust the, bu- the bubble of those happy people <laughs> that are always happy and never have experienced hardship in their life, but one day it will come. And uh, it's our duty to make sure that we're ready for moments like that. We're ready to take on those hardships and entrust them into the lo- into, onto the Lord, right? Now, I want to I wanna shift because we have the experience. We, we, we kind of feel what Israel was feeling, right? We had already known they were, they were a people that God delivered. He did some miraculous things. You know, uh, he used them in a powerful way. He spoke to them. You know, they were the people of God. They were his people. And here they are after, officer, after some amazing moments, some bad moments, amazing moments, but here they are enslaved in Babylon. But we feel that, that, that feeling of despair, right? But I want to shift and I want to take you to Philippians. I want to take you because there was a gentleman there named Paul, and in Philippians, he had some encouraging words for the church of Philippi. He has some encouraging words for the church of Philippi, and I want to read this with you. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. Just verses 4 to 7 for now. He starts off by saying, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Say always. Always. Be full full. of joy. I say again rejoice let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do remember the lord is coming soon remember the lord is coming soon don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all he has done when you will experience god then you will experience god's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is a very encouraging passage. And um, I, wanna talk a little, I wanna continue talking about the power of encouragement. If we wanna experience the power of encouragement, I wanna talk about Experiencing a peace that surpasses any, uh, all understanding. The peace that surpasses all understanding is one of the most precious forms of encouragement that God has given us. So, so listen to me. There's power of encouragement in the peace that only God gives And so we want to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. There are some things that we should apply to our lives. And the first thing that he says is, is to have joy. Notice how verse 7 says, then you will experience God's peace. So he says, be full of joy, rejoice always. Wait a minute, how can I be joyful and rejoicing always when things are not always great? Hmm. Choosing, if we want to experience the peace that only God can give and experience that power of encouragement through that peace, we have to choose to be joyful in times of anxiety, in times of stress, in times of hardship, in times where things are not the same, not good. I mean, we have to choose, make a decision to say, I'm going to be joyful during this season. I'm going to rejoice through the hardship." When Paul made his first visit uh, to Philippi, he and Silas found some trouble, right? So he's writing this to the church of Philippi, but he had already been in Philippi on his first, on his first trip, right? So when his first trip to, he, to Philippi, he found trouble with Silas. They were out there doing their thing, being used by God. They were arrested. They were stripped in front of everybody, and they were beaten. And then they found themselves in the depths of a prison, down in the deep part. It was the most secure part. Man, these guys must have been a real threat, right? They put them down deep. They, they, tried, they tried to forget that they were down there. So anyways, they found themselves there, locked away in the most secure part of the prison. They were hurt. They were shackled. Um, there was no doubt that at this moment, these two men needed to be encouraged. Amen right? They're, they're, they were men just like you and I. They were human. But what was their response? Did they sit? Did they just reminisce about the good days? Did they just hang up their praise? Did they just sit there and do those things? Or did they just, oh, I guess there's no hope for tomorrow. No, they did quite the opposite of that. About the midnight hour, you hear these songs, these, them worshiping and praising and praying to God. These two men were singing to God on a day that could have seemed that God took the day off. Right? Right? It could have seemed to them like, wait a minute, where is God? He must be on vacation. He must not exist. What are you talking about? We experience God. Where is he now? These two guys had seen miracles. They had been used by God. They had been sent around. and They were missionaries preaching the gospel. They were seeing the power of God on a daily basis. And here, they must be wondering, well, where is the power of God as I'm getting beaten? Where is the power of God when I'm being humiliated? Where is the power of God when I'm being locked in a prison? How could God allow this to happen? That's a a question that so many of us ask God, right? How could you, God? Why, God? But I I, I kind of find it interesting. There's there's a better question here. The, The bigger question in my book was, okay, not asking how could God allow this, but saying how could these two guys... Why were, they, why were they singing and praising under such conditions? You can say, you reading the story, you, you on the outside looking in, you, it's quick to say like, man, how could God allow this? But then we look at what their reaction is and we should say like, man, how could they still worship and praise him? How could they praise him through these circumstances? How many of us would be able to sing and to praise and to worship after just getting beat up and stripped in front of the people and then locked in a dungeon with shackles and all that? How can, can you still praise them? Some of us just lose a job and we can't praise them anymore. Our cell phone falls and screen cracks and all, everything goes to Listen, I don't understand how quickly, how quickly we can our worlds can fall apart and then we can decide at that moment like you know what? Ah and we and we and we flag and we walk away from from God as if he had something to do with your cell phone falling on the floor or something. I mean whatever the case. You know what I mean? It's like we are so quick to walk the opposite direction of praise when we go through hardships. I mean, I guess that's one of the consequences of having to live in in, in this flesh container, right? Because what this flesh container wants to do is not praise in circumstances like that. What this body does, what this flesh does is is want us to, to turn around and curse God when things don't go our way. They chose to have joy joy through this negative time. They chose. They made a decision. They made a decision to be happy, to be rejo- to rejoice in everything. They made that decision. It has to be an intentional decision. We have to be intentional to be like, I'm going to be joyful no matter that I'm going through this. I'm going to rejoice no matter that I'm going through this. I have to make this decision. The choice to be joyful in the Lord, and so they made this decision to be They made this choice to be joyful in the Lord and all of a sudden an earthquake comes and it shakes the prison, shakes the prison, doors fly open, shackles fall off. I'm talking about this was a supernatural experience that not only were they freed, but it was the beginning of revival in that city. Their decision to worship, to be joyful, to rejoice in everything allowed and created an, a platform for the supernatural. Listen, it, 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 it's 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 amazing. It's hard because I know we don't like to think this way, right? But if you could rejoice and and be grateful and be joyful um, and, and through it all, through the hardest of moments of your lives, if you can rejoice and praise him and worship him, you are setting the atmosphere up to receive a supernatural move of God. A supernatural move of God that will not only bless you, but all those that are in contact with you. All the prisoners in the prison saw the move of God. The jailer saw the move of God. He and his whole family were saved. We're able to push past the hardships and choose to have joy it affects everyone around you. It blesses, better better said, it blesses everyone around you. So when Paul is telling the church of Philippi here in the book of Philippians that to uh, um, rejoice in the Lord always, he's not just saying this. He's lived it. He's not just telling somebody what to do. And I know uh, I was talking to somebody, you know, um, earlier last week And uh, he was mentioning to me, he's like, sometimes, you know, you can smell out the fake people. That's what he's telling me. People that will just tell you stuff, but they'll they'll never do it. They've never lived it. They don't know what they're talking about. You know how powerful it is to be able to tell someone, listen, I know things are hard right now, but you got to trust in him. He will get you through it. And then, well, how do you know? Because I've been through it. And in those moments, I trusted him. In the moments that it, there was, seemed like there was no hope, I put my hope in him. And God did a miracle. When you find yourself going through the storm, when, you, when, you, when things seem to, go, uh, seem to be going wrong, when you actually think that things can't get any worse, and then they do, sing songs of praise. My advice today, sing songs of praise to the Lord as if it was the best day of your life. Tell God that you love him, even though at that moment you may not be feeling his love. Don't be anxious for anything. Allow the peace of the Lord to encourage you through those moments. Choosing joy in the midst of anxiety is faith lived out. So if we continue reading the advice that Paul is giving them, the words of encouragement, verses eight and nine say this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Man, they didn't take English class here, right? You know, only one and all the you know no. Um, <laughs> think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God, then the God of peace will be with you again. There's a, there's a do this. And then, if we are going to experience the power of encouragement through the peace of God, the peace that only God can give, then we need to, first we need to have joy. We need to rejoice. Then we will have the peace. Here, he's telling us to fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, right? Uh, uh, What is pure. Practice it. Live it out. And then you'll experience the peace of God again. I mean, it's pretty simple. This is like a roadmap, you know, like, it's like a road map. It's like the cheat sheet. Like when you don't know what to do, okay, it's telling you what to do. Like how can I feel the peace of God? Okay, well, do this, and then you'll feel the peace of God. I'm going to do something right now. I need to be encouraged. Okay, well, guess what? There's encouragement in the peace of God, and the way you can find the peace of God is to live out and to, uh, to submit to what the Word of God tells us to do. But sometimes we just don't want to put the legwork in. We want somebody to come in and be like, it'll be okay, and us feel better. Right. We don't want to put the work in. God, God, God could have done. He could do anything at any time. Right. But we got to put, somebody used to say, we got to put skin in the game. It was a guy I know, he used to always be like, you got to put some skin in the game. <sighs> If we're going to experience the power of encouragement through the peace of God, we need to be intentional in choosing a path of purity. Ah, oh, but I make mistakes. Okay, I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. I mean, guess what? You could be intentional of choosing a path of purity and still fall short because we all fall short of the glory of God, the Word says that, and we're still sinners. So th- being intentional in choosing a path of purity doesn't mean you'll never make mistakes. It means that for the most part, you are choosing to live a godly life. For the most part, you are choosing to submit and to surrender yourself to the word of God. And then when you do make those mistakes, because of uh, fixing your, your eyes and your thoughts on what is true and honorable, you'll repent and you don't do it again. where he wants us to dwell on these things, to think, think on these things, to concentrate on them, to meditate on them. And I'm not talking about the hmm, I'm not talking about that. But to really, really just to, to, to read and, and to allow these words to, to penetrate your heart and your soul. If we're able to put aside those feelings of hopelessness in the moments of despair, in the moments that you find yourself in the valley low, if you can put aside the, that, the feeling that you have and fix your thoughts on all these things that God is is, is showing us here, right? It just makes sense. It just makes sense that the peace of God will follow. If we're going to focus only on godly things, even in the midst of our circumstances, it makes sense that the peace of God will find us because my eyes and my thoughts are fixed on him. However, if we choose a path of immorality, then it should not be a surprise when we experience unpeaceful results. And, we know, this is the part that people skip. They'll skip this. Some people just keep on with the sermon without even telling you this part. But But the thing is, I have to tell you this because some people are experiencing unpeaceful results right now. Some people are living in turmoil right now. Some people are going through some, some crazy consequences right now, and it's a result of intentionally choosing a path of immorality. Right. But it's real simple. The good news is all you have to do is make a decision today to choose a path of purity. That's all you have to do. You don't, have to, you don't have to, you know, uh, spend five years in solitude and, and, and hike up to the highest mountain to find some way for God to forgive you. It doesn't work that way. You can make a decision today to fall before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I need you. I want to follow you, and I want, I want to be intentional. I'm choosing a path of purity. Choosing joy. <clears throat> So uh, choosing joy in times of anxiety, intentionally choosing a path of, of purity. And, um, and lastly, I, wanna, I wanted to focus on being content in every life situation. Hallelujah. So we read Philippians 4, 11 to 13, and it says this. He continues. He says, not that I was ever in need. <laughs> But, and I think, I think we read this a couple weeks ago. But, um, but hey, so God, hey, God's he's telling us something. He's telling us something. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty stomach, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Be content. I wanna experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm gonna choose joy above everything. I'm gonna rejoice. I'm going to intentionally Choose a path of purity. And thirdly and lastly, I'm going to be intentional about being content in all my trials and all my tribulations and all the ups and the downs of my life. I'm going to be content. Now, we know, (laughs) we know that contentment is not an automatic thing. We know this. We know this because what happens is we do the biggest our biggest mistake is chasing contentment. So what happens is, what do we do? Our next big purchase will make us happy. That next car, that next house, the next, the next uh, uh, I don't know, the next job will make the better job will make us happy. And what happens is, as a people, we chase. We're chasing contentment. We're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to find happiness in all these things that perhaps we can get our hands on. And then we wonder why so many of us are living frustrated lives. Dude, that's, you will be so frustrated for the rest of your life if you think that it's something that you need to find and get that's going to bring happiness to your life. But in this, do you see Paul's secret? He had learned contentment. It didn't come naturally. It came as a result, a direct result of his walk with God. I am able to do all things through him. He says it's through his strength. He realized there was no longer anything that he could do. He wasn't strong enough. He wasn't smart enough. Hey, Paul was a smart dude. It wasn't his knowledge, it wasn't his strength, it wasn't his wisdom, it wasn't his, you know, strategic planning, it was all God. This was Paul's secret of being content in every situation. He had cultivated a life of Christ following discipleship. It's not easy you know, my wife and I, we were, you know, cause she helps me. I, I, go, I go over this, you know, uh, when I'm done, I'm like, all right, sit down, I gotta preach to you. Okay. And um, we were talking about content and being content through the ups and downs of life. Being content when we experience hardships, when we experience pain and suffering, being content. And, um, and then this, Last night, my mother-in-law passes away, and I wake up this morning, and, and my wife was awake before me, and, and I could tell something wasn't right. And so um, she begins to tell me, and, you know, I, I can see that it's, it's, it's disturbing her. It's, she's disturbed, but there's something weird. She's almost peaceful, you know? even though she's experienced sorrow, even though she's experiencing pain, even though she just lost her mother, there's something different about my wife this morning. And um, somehow, you know, she was experiencing a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we found contentment, even in passing of my mother-in-law, we found contentment with the fact that she is in the Holy of Holies. She's, she's in heaven with our King. We can be content with that. You know, um, it can be difficult to find contentment through those moments, but it's something about knowing that he's with you that changes the circumstance. So um, when I was in the Marines, Marcus is not here to keep the tally mark. When I was in the Marines, uh, I worked with helicopters and armament systems on the helicopters. But so sometimes when the pilots wanted to go out at nighttime, we had to select a night crew and it was not very fun. Nobody wanted it it meant that you had to come in at night and you had to load up these helicopters and then they would go out into the night sky and you just had to wait outside on the flight line for these helicopters to come back. It'd be cold times, it was raining at times and it was just miserable. And so when you got assigned to night crew, you're like, No, there's no way at that moment that you're like, I'm going to find contentment. I'm going to be happy and joyful on the flight line at three o'clock in the morning. Like, There's no way, right? But something happens because it all depends about who you're with. So then you take a further look down the list. And you get to see like, oh, I'm with Steve. Oh, I'm with Brandon. All right. Well, let me say it this way because I didn't call him and Brandon. Amadeus, Carter. Oh, oh man, I'm, I'm with these guys. Oh, it's going to be a fun night. Yes. And now we're out on the flight line and when we we're supposed to be miserable. We're joking around. We're having a great time. And even in the midst of the miserable environment, I can be happy and joyful because of who is with me. I'm making a point here. If you understand who is with you, if you understand who keeps, who you keep company with, and you are saying, I am walking with God, he is with me, I'm with him, then it doesn't matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter the environment, it doesn't matter the hardship, it doesn't matter the ups and the downs, you can be joyful because of who's with you. It changes the whole thing. We should be encouraged by that. In closing, in closing, we all need encouragement at some times. We're all gonna need it. We're all gonna need it. We're all gonna sometimes either you're gonna feel like a failure because you messed something up, you're gonna go, you're gonna get depressed because something happened in your life, um, you're gonna feel hopeless because you don't have the solution. Something's gonna happen at one point in your life, and you're gonna need encouragement. What does encouragement do? It gives you courage. It gives you confidence. It gives you hope. It motivates you. It helps you change your attitude like in the beginning. Like, it, you know, you had two ways to look at things, right? Well, when we are encouraged, we, we, God kind of gives us that opportunity to look at things in a different perspective. Now, I know what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians 5.11 says, we're all told to encourage one another. It says, so encourage each other and build each, and build each other up. That's what we're supposed to do. In the body of Christ, we're all supposed to encourage each other. When you belong to a church family, I mean, that's the benefits. Well, why go to church? I don't have to be saved and go to church. I hear it all the time. If I don't go to church, I'll still go to heaven. You hear the arguments, right? People want to debate things like that. I'm like, but why wouldn't you want to be part of a family? Why wouldn't you want the benefits of being part of a body? This is just one of the benefits. The benefits is that when you walk and you're in the midst of Lighthouse Church family, you should be be receiving encouragement from the left, from the right, from the front, from the back, because we're here to encourage one another. We encourage you and we're here to pick you up when you fall. We all trip. And when you trip, there's somebody here to pick you up. Come on, let's keep it going. But, but the reason why I wanted to focus today on where the true power of encouragement comes from is because you won't always be with somebody. Yes, like it's good that we can encourage one another. It's good that we can be there for one another. It's good that I could call Andy and he can call me. Like It's good that we can have these relationships. But my encouragement can't be dependent on a person. I can't be, I can't, I can't depend on being encouraged by people. I have to know that my encouragement comes I gotta I, I got, I got to go to the source. Because when I find myself in moments where I'm by myself, I can still be encouraged directly from the source. If you choose joy, if you stay intentional. In choosing a path of purity, if you concentrate on being content in all the seasons of your lives, something wonderful happens. God's peace, which is like no other peace, will be yours. It'll be yours. And this is the same peace that Paul is speaking about here in this great, with this great word of encouragement that he's giving the church of Philippi. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It takes away anxiety. It guards, our, uh, it guards against impurity and it blesses us with contentment. If you guys could stand with me this morning. I've told some of you this, and sometimes um, when people have spoken to me about ministry or the future in ministry in their lives, it's a mixed feeling, right It's a mixed feeling when someone comes up to you and says i think God, I think I want to be a pastor I think i want I want to." To, to be a minister in, in ministry, I, I, it's, a, it's a mixed feeling because you're, you're, you're excited, you're happy, right? You're excited, you're happy about the growth and the passion to, to preach the word of God, to lead, to spread the good news. And then depending on the person, there's a feeling of, hey, bro, it's, it's not easy. You know, many times... You're going to go through some additional hardships in your life. You're going to go through some additional trials and tribulations. Because there are going to be moments that you're going to have to minister to someone who's going through some things. And the only way that God can use you in their life at the moment is being able to say, I know what you're going through because it's happened to me because I've lived it, because I've experienced it. It seems like when, when, when I come and I'm preparing a message for the church, I gotta live through it first. I gotta go through it, I gotta practice it, I gotta walk it out. How can I bring a message about finding power the power of encouragement in the peace of God if I'm not going to rely on the peace of God to encourage me. This morning alone, I can say that we found encouragement in the peace of God. So although it's not an easy season for my wife and I, especially for my wife and for my son, it's a season that we are choosing to still rejoice it's a season that we're going to continue to be intentional with the path of purity that God has laid out for us it's a season that we still need to choose to be content even though we're mourning because that's how we experience a peace that we can't even understand peace that people look at you and say, how can you be okay? Well, I'm not really okay. But the peace of God encourages. He comforts. Do you need encouragement today? Do you? Think about it. Is there something in your life right now that you need encouragement? Have you ever experienced the power of encouragement through the peace of God? You know, today, we can, together. I'm going to open the altar up. I'm going to invite you guys to pray. Before, I'm going to ask you guys, um, Al, can you, can you guys come again? Can you do that again this week? Yeah. Can you? Can you? Jesus. i have called these three down just because I want, us, I want us to pray for you. And so if you feel led, if you need encouragement in your life today, then I invite you to the altar because we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Now, some of you may not even have a relationship with God today. Some of you haven't made that decision to say, I accept Christ. And guess what? There's no better day than Today. There's no better day than today to say, you know what? Today is the day that the Lord has made, and I want to just give myself to Him. Man, there's no, there's no, there's no better thing than that, especially, especially in the midst of your trials and tribulations to say, you know what? I'm going to entrust all this to God. It's not easy to do the things that we talked about today. It's not easy to be happy in moments where we shouldn't be and be rejoicing in moments where it's not easy. But Paul says something so powerful in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ who strengthens me so yes in our own strength maybe we can't rejoice in our own strength maybe we can't be content in our own strength maybe we can't always choose purity but the word tells me that i can do it all through christ who strengthens me so i'm going to put my trust in him i'm gonna put i'm gonna put my 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 i'm gonna set my eyes on him I'm gonna fix my eyes and my thoughts on all the things of joy, of 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 purity, of you know, uh, of His Word. I'm gonna I'm gonna do these things, and He will give me the energy and the strength and the and, and the courage to move forward. So as we're praying today, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you because I believe that you can leave here today encouraged. You can leave here today content, content in all your situations. You can leave here today rejoicing, although things may not be going so well for you. Today, you can leave here that way. And we want to pray with you because we believe that God wants to do that in your life today. Bow your heads, please. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, so much for the gift of peace that you give us. This gift of peace, Father God, that it surpasses all understanding is what your word tells me. A peace that doesn't make sense. A peace that, 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 that encourages us in times of despair a peace that gives us strength when we're weak Father God we desire that At this very moment Lord we need you Look at those that are standing here today that are battling Lord with some things in their heart and their and their lives some things that 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 at this moment, just don't seem to be going right, Lord, right now. We want, Father God, to use to, for you to stir their heart right now. We want to pray with them, Lord Jesus. God wants to do something in your life right now. But like I mentioned earlier, we got to put some skin in the game, right? That means taking a step of faith. Do you want to experience the power of God? Do you want to walk out of here encouraged, a new man, a new woman? Do you want to to be content, to rejoice, to, to to feel and experience the power of God in your life and in your circumstances? And you need to take a step of faith and come down so that we can pray with you. Can God just do it? Yeah, he can. But there's something about taking a step forward. There's something about taking a step forward that is an outward action of faith, and today at this moment you have that opportunity to do so. The altar is open, and we're going to pray with whoever comes up. If you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then today is the day. Today is the day that you say, "God, I'm a sinner. I'm horrible. I'm a mess." I can't do this without you. I need you in my life. Come into my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross for me. And you rose on the third day. Come into my heart, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.